As a church, today is a very special day for us for a couple of reasons. First of all, because today, as I mentioned, is Mother's Day. And again, we wouldn't be here today if it weren't for the love, the nurturing, the support, the counsel, and yes, even the needed discipline from all the good mamas that are out there. Growing up, I know that I, I hated the weapons, but I know that they, they helped me out a lot. Um, so on behalf again of myself and all the leaders here at the church, thank you. We love you sincerely and may God truly, truly bless you all. Now secondly, today is also special because today marks the official grand opening here at this new location. Even though we've been meeting here for a few weeks, um, this, we want to mark this day, Mother's Day 2019, as a day we open the doors here at Fresh Vision Church in this location. Now, as you guys know, there's still a lot more left to do here. Isaac mentioned the carpet. You know, we have an office that still needs office furniture. We have, um, you know, we still need walls that need to get decorated. Uh, we need blinds. We need a bunch of stuff. So um, there's still a lot, and there's a lot of room and space and opportunities to serve here. So if something's in your heart, you just want to do, you know, something simple, or you see something that needs to be, uh, need that needs to be met, let me know. Uh, but we're blessed that God has, again, provided for us this larger location that we now can call home. After I finish this morning's message, you're more than welcome to, to walk around, stick around, enjoy some of the coffee, some of the cake that we have. Um, and if you want to explore, um, you can. And you can also ask us any questions about us, any questions about the church that uh, you may have. And on this special day of celebration and new beginnings, we're going to begin, we're going to begin a new book in the New Testament that we haven't covered yet. This book is called The Gospel of Luke. And we'll be cover it, covering it all, um, not today, but we'll be covering it all um, by going chapter by chapter and verse by verse. I suspect and I guess that it's going to take us past the new year or this past this year onto the new year, but that's what I see right now. This is a pretty long book and there's a lot to say here in each chapter. Um, and I'm not the kind of person that plans out, you know, six months in advance what I'm teaching on. I just allow the Spirit just to, to show me how much and where to stop and where to go uh, with the teaching. So uh, we'll see um, how, how long it takes us. Hopefully, I, I know some churches, they, they'll take two or three years on one specific gospel. It's exciting, but also I know that... Uh, uh, um, well, I don't know what to expect. I know God's going to do something amazing even uh, with that. Um, now, during the, now, when we first opened our doors here on Father's Day, or at the hotel we were at on Father's Day 2016, the first book that we taught was from the Gospel of Mark. Now, during that time, the Lord blessed us, He encouraged us, and He taught us a lot. I know that personally, even as I taught it, my own faith in Jesus grew. It grew stronger, and God's Spirit helped me to become a better pastor and a better teacher. Now, God also used that time to confirm that FEC was to be a lighthouse here in the Northeast by shining His glory 
the glory of his triune nature through the gospel of Jesus Christ. So now that God has brought us here, and as we begin this new chapter of our church, I'm positive there's more blessings in store for us as we move forward. I have faith that God will use this book, Luke's gospel, to show us even greater things, will use us in mightier ways, and will help us shine brighter in our community here in El Paso. Now, I also hope this is your desire as well as we go through this beautiful book. Again, if you're visiting us, thank you for being here on this special occasion, and I hope you find yourselves blessed as you walk out these doors. And please leave us a contact card. Uh, we have contact cards back there. Let us know um, where you're from. Let us know a little bit about yourselves, and we'll just want to send you a special thank you card for, for being here. And if you have any prayer for anything, also let us know. Um, anybody here, anybody needs prayer, we're here to serve and we're here to pray for you. Now, again, if you haven't been with us um, when we start a new book, I tip what I typically like to do before reading and before we even read, yeah, reading the first verse is to give you a good thorough introduction of the book that we're covering. Now, why do you think that I do this? Well, I do this for a couple of reasons. First of all, I believe that if you want to be good students, I think as we mature as Christians, all of us ought to or want to, should be good students of the Bible, then it's important that all of us know what's behind the curtain in each book that we cover. And secondly, so that it may be clear to you that every book in this Bible is being, is being, was written by real people living in, real, in a real time and place and who were describing real events. Having this knowledge will give more meaning and depth to the passage being covered so that along with God's Spirit, the Word may easily implant itself in our hearts and in our minds. So let's begin doing that now by first looking at some basic information about uh, Luke's Gospel. Now, if you're taking notes and if you um, want some information, again, I'll try to go slow. I'll try not to go too fast. I, every week, I'm always, I always tell myself as I'm a parent, I'm going to do a PowerPoint. I'm going to do a PowerPoint, but I, I just don't have time. If you see me ever doing a PowerPoint, it means I had a lot of extra time and I had one prepared. So um, you'll know that it was a good week. All right. Um, now, although the author of this third gospel isn't specifically named, reliable external evidence and internal evidence agrees with the Christian tradition that the author was a physician named Luke, and that he may have uh, and that it may have been written around 61 to 62 A.D. Now, if we were just to gather what the Bible tells us about Luke, here's what we'd find. Luke is named three times in the New Testament, in Colossians uh, chapter 4, 2 Timothy chapter 4, and Philemon chapter 24. Luke also wrote the book of Acts, and several we passages in that book indicate that he was the traveling companion of Paul. 
in Colossians chapter 4, verse 11, there it tells us that he was probably a Gentile. And later in verse 14, we're also told that he was a trained physician. He was a doctor. So it shouldn't be surprising then why Luke, as a doctor, began this with the births of two important babies and why he emphasized Christ's sympathy for hurting people. He wrote with the mind of a careful historian and the heart of a loving physician. So with that being said, now let me give you some background, some other background information about Luke's gospel. Now traditionally, the gospel of, the gospel of Luke is believed to have been written after both Matthew and Mark. Now, a careful examination of all four Gospels reveals this. Matthew, a Jew, wrote primarily to Jews, presenting Jesus as the king of the Jews. Mark, a Jew, presented Jesus as a servant and wrote to the Romans. John, a Jew, presents Jesus as the Son of God and writes to all men. Here, Luke, a Greek, writes primarily to Greeks. So if ever a man wrote a book filled with good news for everybody, Dr. Luke is that man. He presents Jesus as the compassionate Son of Man who came to live among sinners, love them, help them, and die for them. In this gospel, you'll meet individuals, as well as crowds, women and children, as well as men, poor people, as well as rich people, and sinners, along with saints. It's a message. It's a book with a message for everybody. Because Luke's emphasis is on the universality of Jesus Christ and his salvation. Now, during this time when this book was written, the Greeks were looking for a perfectly divine human being, one with the best characteristics of both men and women, but none of their shortcomings. Well, such is Luke's presentation of Christ as a son of man, strong yet compassionate. And I want to turn on or turn to some of the themes found in this gospel and Luke's purpose for writing it. The overall theme of Luke's gospel centers around a key verse, a key message found in chapter 19, verse 10. There it says, For the Son of Man has come to seek and to save the lost. This salvation is offered to all people, regardless of ethnicity, nationality, social class, gender, and yes, even their choice of lifestyle. The gospel is for everybody. So even if you felt like an outsider, if you've ever felt ostracized by society, or feel like you've been marginalized by the world or by your community, by your school, by your friends, you'll find comfort and acceptance in this story. 
Now, Luke's gospel is also loaded with other major themes. Among the many are these, that God used many different people to introduce Jesus to history. That Jesus has a distinctive and singular role in God's kingdom. That discipleship has particular, particular characteristics, witnessing, compassion, gratitude are are those are some of some of them that prayer has a distinctive role for believers that god longs he absolutely longs to forgive sinners he's not up there and he's not saying oh you know what i I don't feel like forgiving today he's up there saying i want to forgive as many people right now anybody that comes to me I, i i just i'm looking forward to it and just i just want to forgive them That's his heart. He longs to forgive. Don't believe the devil. You've heard me this. You've heard me say this. Say this before. Don't believe the devil if he lies to you and tells you, "Oh, he won't forgive you for that. He'll never forgive you for that. No matter what you've done. No matter how horrible." God longs to forgive you if you just come to him. If you come to him broken and empty. He also, um, another thing, that that wealth is useful only as a ministry to others. And that human leaders can resist, but cannot overcome God's will. Now, in his prologue, Luke clearly states who he's writing to and the purposes for writing this book. The Gospel of Luke was written for Theophilus whose Greek name means friend or lover of God. Since Luke titles him the most honorable, it may indicate that Theophilus was a person of high standing or was an official with some government authority or with some power. And according to verse 4, he seems to have been a relatively new believer, recently instructed about Jesus and the Christian faith. Also, in that prologue, Luke mentions three reasons for writing this book. Firstly, to provide a carefully researched and orderly sequence of the events of the life of Christ. Secondly, to show how those events connect to the church. And thirdly, to challenge the misconceptions of unbelievers by presenting reliable information that they may have already heard. Now, if that doesn't make sense, basically, he was gathering all this research, all this information, all these witnesses, uh, and he was saying, well, this is the story of Jesus. This is the story that you may have heard, but now I'm presenting the facts. I'm presenting everything as it is so that you're not confused, that you're, not, you're hearing one thing in one place, another thing in another place. These are the facts. This is, this is it. Now, so far, again, I've given you some background information about this book, a few main themes found here, and the reason why Luke wrote it. Now, the last two subjects I want to cover before we dig right into this book is the author's underlying message and how or why this gospel is still relevant to believers today, to us Christians today. Luke's main message to everyone reading to everyone reading this, is that God is the ultimate source 
God is the ultimate source of salvation, which He accomplished through His Son, Jesus Christ. He skillfully paints a well-painted portrait of Jesus that emphasizes both His divinity and His perfect humanity. You will see Jesus walking through Luke's gospel, illustrating his deep and abiding care for people, regardless of what they've done or their status in society. So whether you're a believer or not, the story Luke writes about will give you a beautiful picture of our Savior's strength, mercy, and compassion. Now, anyone claiming, anyone thinking, anyone saying, either to themselves or out loud, that Luke's gospel, or any, for the most part, well, I mean, any book for that matter, is antiquated, it's old-fashioned, and, and it has no relevancy in the modern world we live in today, is mistaken. They're completely wrong. I'll tell you why. Because... If they were just to take a closer look, if they were just to do a careful examination of this gospel, they'd find plenty of examples that speak about many of the issues all of us are personally dealing with. For example, now this is, you can find a lot. I'm only going to name a few here, but there are so many more. Again, for example, surprise pregnancies. Family, friends, poverty, discrimination, injustice, persecution, adultery, sickness, death, rejection, loneliness, betrayal, religious hypocrisy, political corruption, and pride. Just to name a few. So whatever difficulty... Whatever difficulty you're facing right now, today, whatever you're dealing with, I'm positive that you'll find a similar situation in Luke's gospel that will help you get through it. Now, as we turn into studying the life of the perfect man in this gospel, you'll find the elements that make up up the ideal life for everyone. And in his incomparable words, you'll also find the way of the cross, which as Christians, we're all called to. Now again, with the remaining time that I have, I think, again, I think we we have time. I want to go through the first, just the first four verses of Luke chapter one. Now for the most part, I've covered a lot of it already, but I think... um, Uh, I want to cover just a little bit more of the first four verses in detail. So if you have your Bibles, again, turn to Luke chapter 1. And we'll be, again, just covering the first four verses. Luke chapter 1. Luke chapter 1. The Word of God says many have undertaken to compile a narrative about the events that have been fulfilled among us. Just as the original eyewitnesses and servants of the the Word handed them down to us, 
It also seemed good to me, since I have carefully investigated everything from the very first, to write to you in an orderly sequence, most honorable Theophilus, so that you may know the certainty of the things about which you have been instructed. Now imagine for just a minute that you wanted to write the story of someone special who was instrumental in helping you out to be the person you are today, who was just a big influence in your life that helped you out spiritually, that just was there for you to to pray for you, whether it be a pastor, whether it be someone that discipled you. Imagine that person. Think of that person. Now, imagine that person disappeared, no longer around. I'm not saying they died. I'm just saying they're not around. And you were asked to write a story about them. How would you go about doing that? How would you go about writing that, the story of that person without personally meeting with them or interviewing them, asking them questions? How would you do that? Well, I'm sure that you would do some research. You would go out and start interviewing family members, interviewing friends. You would maybe um, find any audio, video clips that, you might, that they might have made or recorded. You just want to gather up as much information about that person, and you want to record it. Well, in his prologue here, this is what Luke does. He tells us the motive and the method for writing, who he was writing to, and the purpose for his writing. In verses 1 through 3, he tells us the why and the how. Now, from the onset, Luke wanted to be clear that he didn't innovate. All he did was compile and clarify. He readily saluted the work of his predecessors, but saw the need to tell Jesus' story one more time to help his Gentile friend, whether it was Theophilus or his friends, his other Gentile friends, to understand it and to accept it. Now, we're also told that he had two types of source materials. He had written accounts of the life of Christ and the oral reports, who many believe was Matthew, may have been, well, the, the oral reports and the written accounts may have been from Matthew and Mark. We also know, the, we also know uh, that these original eyewitnesses were uh, more than likely people that personally knew Jesus walked with him because we know the Bible tells us that he had thousands of people following him. And even after the resurrection, was it 500 people saw him, knew him, talked to him, and saw him rise up to heaven? But again, it also may have included other apostles. So again, he, gathered, he was gathering this information. Now Luke proposed to compile an account of his own and write it in an orderly sequence. This tells us that he wanted to provide his readers a clear and complete record about the events that were being fulfilled among us. He was referring to, of course, the events of Jesus' life. Luke then related that he had investigated everything carefully. That is, he had gone back to the beginning 
He had checked the sources and perhaps he even consulted with eyewitnesses. And again, anybody that has done research papers, who has done doctoral theses, you know, you know that takes a lot of work. And your facts have to be correct. You can't just put something out there and just say, hey, that, this is it. I'm sure that if anyone asked him, hey, can you provide your source? Can you tell me what it is? Pull it out of his pocket, pull his iPhone out of his pocket and say, here it is. He didn't have an iPhone, I'm just joking. But he probably could name the source. He'd probably tell you, yeah, this person lives over here and, and they can tell you what I'm talking about. So again, he checked it, double checked it, made sure that every, as a physician and as a historian, this is, he knew this. This was like second nature to him. This is what makes this gospel so unique is that he knew what he was writing about. I trust it, I, just like I trust all the other books, but you know, again, this one in particular, it's a doctor. And he, it, it, so he knew how to compile information. Now, as he continues on to verse three, he tells us who this work is for, the, mo the most honorable Theophilus. Now, I've already covered the basics of what we need to know about him, so I won't go over it again. However, I will add this. He must have been one heck of a friend for Luke to have gathered, put in order, write, and dedicate this book to, to, to him. He must have been one heck of a friend. Now lastly, in verse 4, Luke tells us the purpose for writing this gospel. Luke's purpose was to give Theophilus a written account that would confirm the trustworthiness of all that had been taught concerning the life and ministry of our Lord Jesus. Now Luke here wasn't suggesting that the other Gospels were deficient in any way. His objective was comprehensive precision. By him doing this, it was also preserving his words, the Gospel message from inaccuracies, of continued oral transmission. You all know that when a message is relayed verbally several times, it usually isn't the same message that was originally given. You played that phone game before. I know you know what I'm talking about, but that's why, again, it was important for him to write this book so that these inaccuracies uh, so they wouldn't be, these stories wouldn't be uh, inaccurately told. Now, with that, be, that being said, I want to go back to the scenario I gave you about, about writing the story of a special friend. Now, let me ask you, besides having all the facts, besides having all the research, all this information, all the interviews, you have all this stuff with you. You have compiled all this information what else do you think is needed for this, for this story to be readable and believable? Well, if you answered a good character, then you get an extra donut afterwards <laughs> when we're done here. Let me share with you three personal characteristics Luke modeled for us to have. Luke was respectable. Luke was a respectable man. Do you think Theophilus would have accepted his work 
if he wasn't, if he saw, if he knew that Luke was a shady person, untrustworthy to really present these facts, do you think he would have accepted this work? He probably would have taken this and looked at Luke and said, hey, thanks a lot, and gone back inside and thrown it in the trash can. In Titus 2.7, Paul said this, Make yourself an example of good works with integrity and dignity in your teaching. Again, Theophilus was a new believer, and he knew Luke. He saw that Luke was a person that was a person of, of integrity and dignity. So that's why his teaching was so impactful to him, to Theophilus. So again, let me ask you, are you, do you, do people consider you a respectable person? Do you have respect for yourself? Do you have respect for others? Do you want others to respect you? First, have respect for yourself. If you want to be known as a person of integrity and dignity, have respect for yourself. No one's going to hand it to you. Now, for the most part, if I just met you, man, I'm going to give you the benefit of the doubt. I'm going to respect you. But as time goes on and you start getting shady with me and you start, you know, like flaking on me, you start like, <laughs> I'm going to, I don't know, that, that integrity level, that, that respectable level start going to start to go down. But again, I'll, for the most part, I'll always give you the benefit of the doubt. But a lot of people aren't like that. Now, if that's the case, then it, you can't demand respect. I'm sure you've heard that before. You can't demand it. You've got to start earning it. And it starts just with small steps. Be a respectable person. Now, as I mentioned a little bit, Luke was also a man of integrity. As a historian, he knew the value of accurate sources and not spinning the information that he received to meet his own personal agenda. It says in Proverbs 10.9, The one who lives with integrity lives securely, but whoever perverts his ways will be found out. As Christians, we must hold ourselves, we must hold ourselves at a higher standard. Now, the more responsibility you have as a, as a believer, as a Christian, as a leader, the higher that standard will be. But if you consider yourself, if you call yourself a Christian, you should hold yourself at a higher standard than your friends, those that are unbelievers, those that are, you know, just messing around, those that are getting in trouble. They say, hey, come on, let's do this or that. No, man, I'm good. I'm straight. I'm just going to go hang out at home, play my video game, or I'm just going to you know, go watch a movie. But, again, that's holding yourself, again, at a higher standard, saying you're not going to participate. Being people of integrity, again, is if I was to drop my wallet or drop a $100 bill here, and me walk away that, you know, just doing the right thing when no one's watching. You know, that you wouldn't just pick it up and pocket it. 
you know, doing the right thing when no one's looking. Now, I wouldn't say anything. I wouldn't, I wouldn't confront you, really. If I just lost 100 bucks right now and left it there, I, I'm not gonna, but I know that, man, it would just break my heart to know that it happened. I hope, again, that you guys are people of integrity and, and that you are working to be, continue to work to be a people of integrity. Now, thirdly, again, Luke looked out for the interest of others. Now, you can clearly see that by reading verse 4. In Philippians chapter 2, verse 4, Paul wrote, Everyone should look out not for his only for should look out not only for his own interests, but also for the interests of others. As a Christian, are you a selfless person? Are you a selfish person or are you a selfless person? Are you the kind of person that just will go out of your way to help someone in need? Even if they're a believer or not. You've heard the story of the Good Samaritan. That person went out of his way to help a complete stranger. Is that you? I've mentioned the example of if you had a neighbor that was maybe living a different lifestyle than you, the last lifestyle that you disagree with, or was maybe from a different religion that you didn't agree with. If their house burned down in a horrible fire, would you offer your place? Would you offer your house for them to stay? Or are you the kind of person that's like, no, nah, man, you're, you're too different. I don't, I'm not, you know, not going to open my house to you. You're going to bring all the evil demons here in my house. First of all, remember that your house is sanct- your house is covered. As long as you're in there, you're praying, your house is covered by the Holy Spirit. But you should see those opportunities as a chance to witness. You should see those moments when you're serving, when you're helping, when you're being selfless as an opportunity to witness, to share Jesus. And if not that, just say, hey, how can I pray for you? What can I do for you? How, how can I serve you? And if they ask you, hey, why are you doing all this? Then that opens the door for you to share your faith. But again, look out. Look for those opportunities to serve, to share, to be selfless. Any, anybody, everybody can be selfish. We all know that. We've all been selfish at one time or another. The hardest part, the most difficult part, I think, is being selfless. That's going to take work. But again, it's, it gets easier as you grow, as you mature as a believer, as the Spirit continues to shine brighter inside of you. Again, let me ask, are you a selfless person? Now, I, I'm going to stop there for now, and as we... Next week, as we continue chapter one, um, we'll be going more in depth. But um, again, this I'm excited to see what the Lord is going to teach us as a church here with this message or with this gospel. I pray that you're that will be this, all the seats here will fill up. That um, all of you will be blessed. That. I'll hear more stories, amazing stories of how 
what God is doing in your life and how this message is speaking to you personally. But before I close, I quickly want to reach out to those that are watching, those that are listening to this message and, and tell you that God loves you. He cares for you. He died. He sent His Son, Jesus Christ, to die for you. And if you've never accepted Christ into your heart, if you've never received Jesus into your heart, I want to give you an opportunity to do that. But first, let me quickly present the gospel to you. All of you are, we're all sinners. We've all fallen short. The Bible tells us that we've completely blown it. And that there's nothing we can ever do that will make us right with God. Nothing at all. There will always be a chasm between us as sinners and God because of His holiness, because He's perfect. He can't, the Bible tells us He can't even look at sin. He can't stand sin. But He provided an answer for that chasm to be closed. And that was by sending His Son, Jesus Christ. But in order again for that chasm to be closed, we have to accept Him into our hearts. We have to believe that He is the Son of God and that He died and that He rose again on the third day. And right now, He's sitting in heaven. That He's with the Lord and, and one day He'll come back. But all the Lord wants you to do is just to believe in His Son. To admit that you're a sinner. To ask for forgiveness. And to believe in His Son. So if that's you and you're ready to do that, the Lord is, you feel that the Lord is calling you now to come to Him, to open up your heart to Him. Close your eyes, bow your head wherever you're at. And just pray this with all, your, with all sincerity. Lord God, forgive me. Forgive me of my sins. I know that I've blown it. I know that I've messed up. But I believe you sent your son, Jesus Christ, to die on the cross for my sins. I believe that he is Lord and I confess with my mouth that he is your son Lord so right now by faith Lord I, I accept your forgiveness I believe in the forgiveness that, that, you're, that you've given me that you're offering And I thank you, Lord. I thank you for wiping the slate clean. So now fill me with your spirit, Lord. So that I may walk with you. So that I may know you. So that I may grow in wisdom and knowledge. So that my life will change, Lord. I'm done living the, the crazy life. Those didn't provide the answers, Lord. And I still, even after all that, I still felt empty. But you, 
I know that you have filled that hole, Lord. I thank you. You can help me, Lord, just to surround me with people that will guide me and show me your ways, Lord, that will help me help me to find a good church, Lord. It will teach me your word accurately. Thank you. In Jesus' name, amen.